Good morning, Soma family. It's good to be with you today. Miss you. Wish we were doing this face-to-face, but for now, it'll have to do. Hang in there. Well, it's been quite a week this week. So much so that this message was actually supposed to air last week. But as a church, we decided just to, to pause. Didn't seem right to just continue as normal. So we took a whole service last week. And we took it to pray, to, to reflect on how we felt, to lament, to repent of some of our thinking, ways that we've responded, just to kind of evaluate where we are and to try to understand how our nation is hurting right now. And so before we get started, I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray for our nation and then... I'd like to pray for today's message. Join me. Father God, I pray for our nation. I pray that it's for its hurting, for how people are misunderstood, how there's deep-seated anger and frustration that as a white male, I have no idea how to understand sometimes. I pray that you would heal us, that you would use this as an opportunity for us to grow together, to understand one another, to have empathy and love for one another. I pray for George Floyd's family, for his daughter, for the people that are around him, that know him, that love him. The pain must be awful. And I pray that you would bring healing there. And I pray for today's message, that you would use my words, that you would use this passage to help us to understand what a radical way that you are calling us to love one another, how we would respond to each other in these unique little situations. So pray that the Holy Spirit would help us to to grow and to learn, to, to know you a little bit more today and to praise you. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I like this time of year. It's getting a little bit warmer out. As a kid, my family and I would go camping all the time. We have this huge um, Buick station wagon, and we would stuff it full, and we would take off down the road like Chevy Chase's vacation movie. I would sit in the middle because I'm the youngest. My two older brothers would get the choice window seats. And and after a couple hours, as you might imagine, we'd get a little bored and start to annoy each other. Well, my, my brother had this pop can that he realized when he crinkled it, it would make this really nice, annoying noise. And so he did that, clink, clank, clink, clank, clink, clank, clink, clank, clink, clank, over and over and over again, until I thought my mom would lose her mind. Finally. Without turning around, she says, if I hear that thing one more time, well, my brother takes the can and he goes clink, 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 and he throws it on my lap. Well, with that, she turns, spins around, sees me with the can, and I get thumped upside the head for it. Well, she turns back around and I slug my brother to get even in retaliation. Well, he's my older brother, he's bigger. So he punches me back even harder. And you see how that spirals on. And sometimes if you've had an experience like that in your own family, don't you just wish they would get it? Your heart behind it, I'll take care of your older brother. You just worry about you, how you respond. 
And so that's where we're going today. The idea of retaliation, what does that look like? And I think that's what God wants to teach us. We have a holy, righteous God who judges justly. And he is saying, do not take vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You learn how to love your neighbor as yourself. How can we love in a radical new way? And so Jesus comes on on the scene and and he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount some of these ways to radically love one another as we figure out how to live now that the kingdom of God is at hand. So this this idea of retaliation is just how we would respond. We've been been wronged, our rights have been violated, uh, we've been injured maybe, and while many of our movies have this at their core, uh, God is calling us to to live in a new and a radical different way. So we're going to read today's scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. Verse 38. You have heard it was said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So like I said, we've been, we've been going through some different uh, topics in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in, a, in a bigger um, a topic called flourish. How do we live? How, what is God calling us to live as we flourish in the kingdom of God with one another? But we do live in a very individualistic society today. We know our rights. We demand our rights. We look out for number one. Just and, but rights are not a bad thing. Um, we have all kinds of rights that we want to protect, even what's going on today. We have this innate uh, sense of who we are that I believe God built in us that we desire justice for one another and for our friends. And, and we, we want rights. We have rights that say that we should be able to preserve uh, preserve the, the right to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Fair trials, free speech, women's rights. Those are all good rights that we should fight for, that we should stand up for. We even have in this time that we're, we find ourselves the, the, with the coronavirus, navigating new and unique rights. Do we wear a mask? Do we don't? What's our six-foot buffer? Who do we let in? Do we worship together and when? These are all different kinds of rights that, depending on who you are, you're putting your foot down or you're allowing different things to happen. When I was a teenager, I was living with my mom and dad in my house and uh, I was about 16 years old, maybe a little bit older, and um, my dad and I started getting a little scuffle about some chores that he had for me to do. And, and I was older thinking that I was almost adult and why was I having to do all these chores 
So I was arguing that with him. I shouldn't have to. I was almost ready to, to move out and be on my own. I had it all figured out. Well, towards the end of this little exchange, I finally said to my dad, Dad, I can't wait till I move out because in my own house, I can spit on the floor if I want to. I can't believe I said that to my father. I can't believe he didn't just start laughing at me. But that's where my heart was. Thinking that I knew everything, I thought I could just, freedom to me meant I can say and respond to anybody in any situation, whatever I wanted. That just kind of shows where I was at. Needless to say, I do have my own house now, but I've never, I've never spit on the floor. Um, but along with those rights that are good rights, we also can abuse rights. Um, think of somebody who has authority over you that's making you do things that are abusive. Um, think about um, speech, our free speech, but sometimes they're, they're abused and they're used to say and, and do hateful words. There's violence that happens even in retaliation. Or there's medicines and drugs, alcohol that we are free to use, but can hurt us and others when they're abused. So, so we have these laws that are meant for us to kind of constrain us, to protect us. And, and Jesus mentions a law in the first part of verse 38. You have heard it said. And these were Old Testament law that he's referring to that were for the people of God to, to learn how to navigate, to live with one another, both with how, how do we treat one another, how do we deal with one another, but also how to have an attitude about those laws and know who God was, an attitude about him. But as time progressed, people started viewing these laws differently. So I think that Jesus makes this uh, reference as he has in the previous passages, you've heard it said, uh, um, as it mentions here in chapter uh, five, um, you heard that it was said, and then he goes on and, and gives us an example of what he is trying to communicate now that the kingdom of God is at hand, how to do it differently. So Jesus um, refers to this Old Testament law. It's called the law of retaliation. It's one of the oldest laws. We still get our theory of law from it. And he mentions it three times in the Old Testament. I want to take a look at each, each one of those. I want to kind of look at that first verse and the, and the next part of the next verse second. And then we can look at the examples of these vignettes, these situations uh, that follow. So uh, let me read this first part. You know, verses 38, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist the one who is evil. So this first part, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Let's, let's look at what it says when it first appears in Exodus 22. So I want to read that. Exodus 22, starting in, or I'm sorry, Exodus 21, starting in verse 23. Um, Actually, back that up, starting in verse 22 of chapter 21. <laughs> when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, 
but there is no harm. The one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is no harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. So I want to just pull out each time these are mentioned a few uh, nuggets to help us to understand maybe why Jesus referring to this law and really what this law meant. Like you can see that this was there was an infraction committed. Um, that this is a legal matter. It's been brought before the judges so that they can impose a penalty on it. They can make a ruling. It is meant to be a fair and just law. The punishment is meant to fit the crime. Not too lenient, not too harsh, protecting both the person who was offended and the person that actually committed the crime. You hear that refrain, Uh, Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, foot for foot, burn for burn. It was supposed to be a just, even law. Uh, Next, we find it in Leviticus 24, chapter 24, in verse 17 through 22. It says, whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good, and whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner and for the native, for I am the Lord your God." Once again, similar to the last passage, uh, you get that feeling that it's a just, supposed to be a just law, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Um, and then he mentions that it's both for the Jew and the sojourner. So regardless of your social status or who you were, this law was to be applied to all people, both of those that were traveling with the Israelites and the Israelites themselves. And then last, it appears in Deuteronomy chapter 19. And this one says in Deuteronomy chapter 19, starting verse 18, the judges shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he has meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and the rest shall hear and fear, and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So similar again. thing I'd point out here maybe is that this one uh, refers to it being a deterrent to future crime. Um, You shall purge the evil from amongst your midst. Um... Once again, it's before the judges. It's a legal matter. This is not meant to be how we would live with one another in our daily life. This, this is a criminal offense that is brought before men uh, to, to judge on, to dish out a penalty, uh, and it was not for everyday life. So why, is, why does Jesus mention this law? Well, like I, I said, as, as time progressed the law seemed to become more of of the focus rather than on who God was and we're going to obey the law from our love from God. And even the Pharisees, who are supposed to be interpreting the law, 
for the people on how they should live, they were actually even adding more laws to the point where it was all about the law. And if they could meet the law, if they could check their box, their boxes, I did this one, I did this one, it would give them a self, sense of self-righteousness. And so it became more about the law than God's love and the letter of the law. So Jesus comes and he speaks with authority and he says, you've heard it this way, but I say this. So the next part of the verse that talks about do not resist the one who is evil in verse 39, um, it says, do not resist the one who is evil. And is Jesus saying we don't resist evil? Well, I think we know our scriptures. There's, there's countless scriptures that say that we should um, be against evil. Jesus himself being tempted in the desert was against evil and resisted it. Uh, Romans 12.9 says, Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Abhor is, is, is we are to, to be against something that is so evil that we actually take action against it. So we are to stand up against things that are evil, injustice, against people of all types, the unborn, against women, abuse of any kind, what we've seen in the last few weeks. We have a right and we should resist that. But in verse 39, when it says, do not resist the one who is evil, it's talking about a particular one who is evil. He's talking about the particular one that has evil intent in the next four scenarios. And these little vignettes that we're gonna look at individually, this person has evil intent, has to do us either harm or uh, not for our well-being. But first I'm gonna pause so that we can discuss an image. This is done by a photographer who sets up a scene and takes a shot to create a very provocative scene. And so I want us to look at this and to think and to talk amongst yourselves about how you feel and what you think's going on in the image. So I'm gonna pause for a moment, look at this image. It's very provocative, very thought provoking. Have a dialogue and then I'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back. I hope you've had some interesting dialogue regarding that, uh, that image. When I first saw that image, it was like, it was kind of shocking. Uh, when I see the, the symbol of the swastika, it, it just evokes in me such, such evil that I, I don't even have words to express. I just immediately like, whoa, what am I looking at here? And as I looked at that photo and saw that there's Jesus, a Jew, walking along with this Nazi soldier. That's, that's some an intense provocative imagery. It's Jesus, I think, want, would like us to think deeply about why that bothers us, what's, what's happening. It's the kind of radical thinking that we need to be doing as we think about these next little scenarios that we're gonna go into. So the first one starts in verse 39. And it says, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other also. Someone slaps you on the right cheek, so you turn to other and you just become a punching bag. Now, I don't, I don't think that's at all what Jesus is saying. 
during his day when someone would slap you on the right cheek, it was more than likely with the dominant right hand coming up, hitting you with the back of their hand and hitting you on the, I guess, right side of the cheek. It was, it was not an assault. It was not a punch. It was meant more of a disgrace, an insult to you. It would be like if we were having an argument about something today and I just spit in your face. It's that kind of insult. This person means you harm, means you disgrace in that way. Jesus and Paul were both struck in the face, yet they did not retaliate, retaliated. They humbly took it, even though they had a right to respond. The next example is in verse 40, and it reads like this. If anyone sue you and take your tunic, give them, give them your cloak as well. So the tunic was your was this, this uh, thinner t-shirt-like material, and it was worn closest to the body. It was longer, and if you were... Um, if you were poor, you were more than likely still had one, two, maybe three of these. And if you were sued for something that, that you owed money to, that it was a penalty enforced on you, the person that's suing you could take your tunic. It's part of the, part of the law. Sometimes it was held if, until you paid your pledge, your money to them, and then you get it back. Or they could actually just take it, part of the law. But you could not take their tunic, the, or, or you could not take their cloak, excuse me. The cloak was this outer jacket, it was much thicker, and you would usually only have one of these, especially if you, were, you weren't very wealthy. And you would use this at night to cover yourself like a blanket. And if you didn't have it, you would be exposed and cold to the elements. And so Jesus is saying, if you've wronged somebody and you owe them a penalty, and they take your tunic, give them your jacket as well. Give them your cloak as well. He, he's asking us to radically be generous when we have uh, done a wrong in such a way that we owe a penalty. It'd be like, let's, if, let's be overly generous and try to settle this matter before it gets into the courts and get ugly. And you can imagine this would be a very difficult and sometimes significant hardship financially for someone. But Jesus is, is calling us to that kind of generosity, that kind of love towards our neighbor. The next one is in verse 41. Um, it's kind of an example of the um, abuse of power, much like maybe we've seen in that photo. Uh, verse 41 says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Um, during the Roman occupation of the Israelites, the soldiers were allowed to commandeer you as an Israelite to carry their gear for up to one mile. And I was thinking, I can imagine myself thinking, here's this Roman soldier who's oppressing me and he tells me I have to carry his gear for a mile. And so I'm walking along and I get towards the end of that mile. I'm thinking to myself, I am not carrying this thing another step. I'm done, I take the pack off, throw it down, not willing to go another step. And Jesus is saying, 
go with them two miles. Can you imagine what it would be like for us as God's people to do that sort of um, radical response to someone? That we would show love and glorify our Father in heaven, that we would go two miles. And then the last example he gives us is in verse 42. Jesus says, give to the one who begs from you and do not deny one who would borrow from you. This is certainly where all of it, we find um, uh, homeless people, uh, people that are hurting for money just about on every corner. Uh, I know that for me, this one, this one was hard for me because I know where I've, I've been in a situation where come, someone's come up to my car with their red gas can saying, hey, can I, can I borrow a couple of bucks? Because my, my car ran out of gas and I need to make it to the next town. And I know in my heart, I've gone, no way, you're lying and you're gonna use it for booze. And so I'm gonna roll up the window and not give him any money. And I think when Jesus was referring to the one, the one, do not resist the one who is evil, he's, in this particular case, of course, poor people are evil. But in this particular case, one who's looking to take advantage of you. So even if someone is coming up to me and says, can I get a couple bucks because I need to fill my tank, but wants to use it for whatever, what should my response to be? Is give it to the one who begs. So what? Am I going to hold on to my rights and, and say, that's my hard-earned money, and I'm not going to give it up because I know you're going to waste it? That's not for me to judge. That's for the, the king of the universe to say, I'll take care of him. You worry about your own heart. And my heart's been ugly many times in that situation. Paul um, reiterates what Jesus is speaking here in Romans 12, and I think it's really good. Uh, it's in it's in. Uh, Romans 12, starting at verse 14. Let me get there. Right. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I love that. There's, there's a sense of, if possible, I know this is hard. But people who, um, who know the gospel, who know what Jesus has given up on our behalf, this should be possible. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So my question is, 
are we willing to go that extra mile? Are we willing to, to lay aside you know, our personal rights, uh, our, our desire to even the score, get vengeance, and, and love so radically that people see us as something different? Are we going to look different? Are people set apart for God? Or do we just blend into the culture and look like everyone else? I think the answer to the question, if you can go that extra mile, depends on the answer to what's most important to you. Is, is, is holding on to your rights going to be most important? Or is it God who's most important to you? Is what he is calling us to, is that most important? And how we would love our neighbors. Can we, can we absorb an insult from a coworker? Can we not respond to a, a negative insulting comment on Facebook and respond in a negative way? Can we continue to befriend a grumpy neighbor who is always complaining about something? Can we work even harder for that over-demanding boss, one that we've always had? Can we think compassionately about how we would support the needy? And, and I'm not saying that, that any of these answers are black and white answer. We need to think deeply. We need the Holy Spirit to help us remind us and encourage us to love in a way that is, is countercultural. But we do need to ev evaluate our motives when we're insulted or offended or hurt. Can we die to self and trust God with the justice? Most of us probably can with somebody we know or uh, a neighbor. But how about somebody who you don't really like to be around? How about someone we've written off or somebody who is like the person in that image that we looked at earlier. Well, let me end with how we need to look at Jesus as our best example of loving rightly. Jesus took the insults. Jesus took the blows. And even while he was praying that Father would forgive us, they don't know what they're doing. 1 Peter 2, 23 in the NIV says this, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's our example. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are a just God. I thank you that you've given us new hearts that allow us to be able to respond when we're hurt, when we've been demeaned, when we've been insulted, that we would respond in a radical way that gives glory to you that people may see our good works and glorify God that's in heaven. Help us to be that kind of person. Help us to have a heart for others like Jesus did. 
leaving up our vengeance, our desire to get even to you. So thank you for your word. Thank you for today. Ask that you would help us to keep these things at the forefront of our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. So in just a few minutes, we're going to um, join Jeff as we have before in the Zoom room. And uh, please join us, take communion with us. See you in a few minutes.